0: two brothers and some friends on their way to board game fame. I'm your host David and I'm joined as always with my co-host Michael Howdy Howdy and Jesse. hey y'all and this uh this fortnight we're starting with an announcement. Oh yeah,
1: not at the time of recording, but at the time of this episode being released because we do these things a little bit in advance. Uh, this is the last episode that's going out before. Tantrum Con 2024, Charlotte, North Carolina, and you know who's going to be there? Jesse and I. I'm not. Yay! So if you see us, and/or you want to play board games with us, check it out. We may be hosting. Uh, we may be hosting an event.
0: Not sure. <laughs> we we still we still have time to decide because we record these so far in advance. <laughs> we still have time to decide.
1: We're recording this far in advance, but I hope to see at least some of you guys at Tantrum Con. Maybe we'll play some board games together.
0: Yeah. Okay. With uh with that proclamation out of the way, Michael, what you been playing? Boy, have
1: I been playing board games. This past weekend, I do one of my favorite things whenever I'm always traveling, and that's just go to a board game store. Just go to a board game cafe. See what they got. So I went to a lovely board game store in Greenville, South Carolina called Boardwalk. It was a nice, lovely store on the northeast side of town. And they had a very good board game selection. I picked up myself a copy of one of my most anticipated from 2022. Whether or not I actually end up playing it before the end of 2022, I'll let you know. Uh, Sorry, most anticipated of 2023. I forgot what year it is. Uh, (laughs) You're living in the past. I'm living in the past. I picked up one of my most anticipated, Darwin's Journey of 2023. Whether or not I end up playing it by the end of 2023, you know, at time of recording. We'll find out. But that's for future past Michael to figure out. (laughs) (laughs) But while I was there, they just have a free game library, which which was really cool. So we were looking over it, and we saw Flamecraft, and I was like, "Huh, that's a cute little game." And my girlfriend's like, "Yeah, let's play it. It's got cute dragons on the cover." So we put in. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Flamecraft was released in 2022, designed by Manny Vega. This is a uh, resource collection game where you are in a town trying to improve the dragon economy and you do this by visiting the various shops, getting items uh, and getting things from the dragons that are there, uh, putting dragons into the shops to improve them, enchanting them, encouraging more shops to be opened. Fulfilling the objectives of these fancy dragons. Are They are called
0: fancy dragons, aren't they? Or so,
1: yes, there are artisan dragons, which are the ones who work in the shops. And there's the fancy dragons who are the they're, ones who... They're
0: too, they're too fancy to work. <laughs> they're too fancy to
1: work. They're the. They're the ones who give you the quests. So you're running around from shop to shop to shop, trying to increase your reputation? You're trying to make your heart meter go up, which is basically the victory point track. The number one thing I can say about this game is it is very, very cute. The art by Sandara Tang is very, very nice. It isn't the number one things. I can see why people like this game. It has some things that work well for it. For me, I wish it, the game just had a little bit more depth. So I don't think I'm going to add it to my collection because... I felt the game mechanic was, all right, go to the shop, get a bunch of resources, go to the shop, get a bunch of resources, enchant like 20 different things, win game.
2: Yeah,
0: it it was a little simple for me as well, but it it's gorgeous, and it's going to draw a lot of people into the hobby, I think.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's also nice that the rules are, are pretty simple, and so the barrier to entry is very low, and those who are attracted by... The artwork will probably have a really good time, but it's not one I need to add to my collection.
2: I felt the same way when I played it last year at Tantrum Con, and uh, you mentioned Boardwalk Games. They're a sponsor of Tantrum House, um, which does Tantrum Con.
1: Well, that's because uh, Tantrum House is based out of Green right?
2: They're right in that area, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So we'll be seeing them at um, Tantrum Con.
0: Yeah. I think my favorite rule rule in Flamecraft is the resource limit. Because usually resource limits in games are like some sort of restriction. Uh, it feels like in this game it's more of like a, hey, don't, don't take up too much table space. Because it's a limit of six per type of resource. And there's six different types of resources. So you're g- gathering a giant pool of... Oh yeah, items. You really feel like a dragon hoarding all this oh, yeah. stuff.
1: <laughs> One thing I wish is the ver- there's various uh, colors of dragons or dragon types. Um, I guess based on the different resources, and um, they all each type has the same effect. And some of the effects are really cute. I like how the green dragon is. Oh yeah, just give a resource to somebody and you get uh, two victory points. It's like oh, I was like oh, that's nice. Uh, I you know maybe if there's a little bit more variety in the artists and dragons that would have been cool but uh, overall i enjoyed it i'm glad i got to play it at a game library instead of adding it to my collection go visit your game stores play games from their game library see what
0: you like oh it's a great way to figure out what you like and, and to save some money You're like oh i don't like this game i don't need to buy it yeah they, it was free most places are like oh
1: yeah five dollars per person i'm like all right all right jesse what you been playing
2: Uh, So I got a play in of the Fox Experiment, which was one of both David's and my most anticipated games of 2023. Fox Experiment is a game in which you breed foxes over five generations and see what traits develop as they become friendlier. It was designed by Jeff Fraser and Elizabeth Hargrave, who was just announced as a special guest for Origins this year, which I'm excited Mm. about um, because I'll be going to that. So sorry in advance, Elizabeth, when I meet you, but I'm going to talk some not great things. Um, It was an okay game. Uh, It was published by Pandasaurus Games. It's based on the real world 1958 Soviet experiment on domestication in which friendly foxes were bred and and they produced pups with physical traits that were desirable in domesticated pets, such as spots or floppy ears or curly tails or barking. And in this game, you recreate that experiment, which some people have felt is really controversial. Um, You do so by drafting parents and supplies. Um, The supplies determine your turn order, which is really important because then the next round you get to draft first. After you do all your drafting, you roll a bunch of dice and find out what traits are produced. The more dice you get, the better because you're going to get more hits and get pups that become more desirable. And the fun thing about the game is the new pups go on to become the next generation of parents. Um, and then you can choose to breed your own pups that you made or other people's pups. And it's a pretty fun progression from the beginning of the game where you just get a few dice. Towards the end of the game, you have like 15 dice, and that feels really satisfying. Um, I really enjoyed that part of it. And when you get trait tokens, you can use them to upgrade your breeding capacity, which is really nice. I love the theme of this game. I think the theme is super fun. If you think that this is mean or that they kept foxes in cage, what cages and stuff like that Well, guess what you eat meat. uh, What you do is probably worse. Um, I thought the theme of the game was super fun. I give it an A plus. I thought the gameplay was like a C minus. It was just it was just fine. Uh, It felt kind of long for what it was. The teach was surprisingly hard for how simple the gameplay is. Like the gameplay is simple but every like stage of every round had like six steps. And it just felt like a lot of like, OK, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this, then you do it. It was overwhelming. Um, and the thing I dislike the most is the box. Uh, I'm so angry that the box doesn't fit the fifth and sixth player expansion and that all the deluxe components just make it a little bit overfull. Um, The deluxe components are really, really nice, by the way. They're a little bit too nice, even. Like these giant metal gears that are your player tokens. Um, They're super solid and satisfying. And they just feel so heavy compared to the weight of the game. Um, It was just a touch too much. I think the plastic foxes aren't actually as cute as the wooden fox meeples. Um, So I felt like it was just a touch overproduced. It wasn't terrible, but I think maybe simpler was better in this one. There's also been a lot of controversy over Kickstarter backers with the neoprene mats. There were a couple misprints on them and an older version of files was used compared to the player boards that were included in the game. So the company's trying to figure out how they're going to handle some of those complaints. Um, They say in their latest update, they are looking at solutions. Um, including things that you might print at home or credits towards future purchases. Um, so all in all, it wasn't a bad game to play. I played it with five players, which maybe was just one too many in that first play. And it was actually like pretty good with the group that I was with. I played it at um, Mini MooseCon um, with kind of a random assortment of friends and strangers. And it was it was not bad, but it wasn't everything I dreamed of. Um, so I'm looking forward to playing again and seeing if I like it better a second time.
0: I like how you prefaced this section saying that you apologized to Elizabeth Hargrave before you did some minor complaints here. I thought you were apologizing because you were going to go up to her and talk trash to her face. Like that's what it sounded like, like I'm apologizing now. <laughs> she's she's going to
1: listen to this one episode. No, it's been oh, a while. Since it, my name on it. It's been a while <laughs> since we've talked about one of her games. <laughs>
2: You know it's nothing personal it's just i didn't um it just was not as satisfying as i hoped it would be but maybe in a second or third play it will be who knows i'm it's not like i'm gonna burn it and never play it again um i hope to play it soon with michael maybe we can make a day of playing that in darwin's journey um but anyways enough of me david what have you been playing I want to talk about one of my
0: highlights from 2023, The White Castle, designed by Isra C and Shay S. This was the follow-up to The Red Cathedral by the same uh, by the same design team, which is one of my top 10 games of all time. I love The Red Cathedral, so as soon as I heard about The White Castle, I knew it was going to be an instant buy for me. Um and then on top of that, I looked at the mechanisms Dice drafting, dice placement, I'm in. I I didn't even need to hear anything else about this game. I was going to buy it. So in the White Castle, you are drafting dice and selecting actions on a board. The dice values determine how much money you have to pay to take that action, or if the die value is high enough, how much money you get from that action. And you're collecting three different types of resources, steel, food, and mother of pearl to place out three different types of meeples on the board you have your farmers your warriors and the okay it's a fancier word than concubine what is escort it's courtesan courtesan, thank you (laughs) Ooh, i'm good we should play word games yeah we should not play Uh, word games (laughs) (laughs) It's the courtesan, the, third, the ter- third type of meeple you can play out is the courtesan uh, into the castle. And, and these all score you points in various ways. And whoever has the most points at the end of the game uh, wins. You're mostly scoring points by getting these meeples out on the board. Uh, on top of that, it helps build your engine because you have three actions that you can take on your personal player mat that give you specific resources depend on how many meeples of each type you have played out. So if I've got a lot of farmers out, I could get a lot of food. Or if I've placed a lot of of warriors, I could get a lot of steel. And all the mechanisms overlap in a really nice way. And the game is dead quick. It is three rounds, you get three turns a round. Uh, So the person who wins is going to be the person who sets up a mega turn or two throughout the game. I do not like this game as much as Red Cathedral. Uh, I think it's very interesting. Uh, one of one of my favorite mechanisms in the game is if you draft the lowest die available, you get to activate your what is known as the lantern bonus, and it just gives you some resources. And throughout the game, your lantern bonus is going to get better and better and better to the point where you go, ooh, I want that lower die because I don't care how much I have to pay to take that action, I want all those bonus resources, which might set up my mega turn later. For example, some of the turns are like, if you place a farmer out here, you can then place a warrior. And then I place a warrior out, and the warrior goes, oh, place a courtesan and move the courtesan up the castle. And, and, and if you do all these steps in one turn, that is impressive. So I don't, I don't like the mechanisms quite as well as the Red Cathedral. But I haven't played the Red Cathedral since I got this because of how quick the White Castle plays, especially at two players. You you can get a game done in about thirty minutes with two people who have played before. It's incredibly fast for the weight of the game that it is.
1: What about two player Red Cathedral?
0: Two player Red Cathedral takes a little bit longer. Uh, there's no defined turn limit, so if somebody's rushing end game, you could probably do, uh, you could probably do thirty minutes. But just the the game structure of White White Castle is it's over in nine turns, and some of your turns are just. Place one die, get three resources, you're done. And those are never satisfying, so that's you really have to plan ahead, really have to think about it. I think this game was mostly designed for the two players in mind. The actions on the board are cards that when you move your courtesan up the up into the castle itself, you take that card and a new action comes out. In a two player game, those actions change less frequently. So you can plan ahead better. In a four-player game, you might not necessarily know what you're doing on your turn. I still enjoyed my play at four, uh, but I've mostly played the game at two and had a blast with it. Just I I I like Red Cathedral more, but if I don't have the time to play it, White Castle is a great, great filler for that. A great stand-in for that. And
1: I still need to play both.
0: Any questions about the White Castle? I-, I loved it. Not not my favorite. It's growing on me.
1: I mean, the art looks neat. The meeples look neat. I like that fish thing. Or dragon, whatever it is.
0: The, the dragon fish, that's the round tracker. It's the most elegant piece in the game, and it's barely used. Because there's three rounds. Who, who can't remember three? <laughs> <laughs> I do want to do a quick shout-out for Devere. Uh, my, co- my copy of White Castle was shipped with a missing piece. Their process for getting a replacement piece was quick and painless. I have it. I have a complete game. Hooray!
2: I love when companies are good like that. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now it's time for Game of the Fortnite, the part of the podcast where we told one game above all others, at least for the next two weeks. And this week, we're talking about Eclipse, Second Dawn for the Galaxy. Michael, this is your choice for uh, for game of the Fortnite. You want to give a quick, quick, or do you want to give a thorough rundown or a down and dirty? Rundown? I will
1: give you a thorough enough rundown. And as a reminder to the listeners, if you missed our last normal episode, it has been three episodes since that we are shifting to eat. we're taking turns picking a game, and that's what we're going to do as game of the Fortnite. It just so happens this Fortnite, we did pick a game that we've all played. But this Fortnite, I picked Eclipse 2nd Dawn for the Galaxy, designed by, and oh my goodness, Finland Y. Uh, <laughs> his name is Taco Takokalio. The description of this designer on BGG describes him as the Finnish game designer with an unpronounceable last name. You are correct there. (laughs) But I'm going to lead and just say, you made a good game. This is the second implementation of Eclipse. Eclipse came out earlier. This edition came out in 2020. And I would say that the slight adjustments make it better. In this game, it is a 4X game with two to six players. You are in a galaxy vying for power. You start in your home system in this galaxy, equidistant from a galactic center, a galactic core. And in this game, you take one of six actions, which are explore, research, research, Upgrade, build, move, and influence So you're starting in your home system And you can explore adjacent systems You could influence those systems to be able to colonize and gain resources from those You can uh, do research to get better and better technologies You can upgrade your ships to make them more powerful and more capable You can... um, uh, move them into places so you can keep expanding your influence and engage in combat and you know there's influence which is a basic one some more of the more complicated ones and unlike in twilight imperium the entire map is not revealed from the beginning the only tiles that are revealed are your home systems and the galactic center so you are it's a little bit of a risk as you're exploring it, because you're not exactly sure of what you're going to get yourself into. There's an unlimited number of actions that you can take per turn, but one of the nice things I like about this game is the economic twist. The more actions that you take in a turn, the more you will have to repay at the end of the round.
2: Oh, yeah. And if you mess up, it hurts
1: but it, it allows you to be a little bit strategic. So you you got three main resources here. Materials which you use to build ships and then you have science which is what you spend for research and then money which it just funds you being able to take actions. If you don't balance that, balance your actions, you can go bankrupt and you, and that's bad. But it allows you on certain number of rounds to push yourself just spend a little bit more just a little bit more be a little bit more risky such that you can't do it every single turn but maybe go into a little bit of debt because if you ever crash down to zero oh that's not that's not good that's not good but uh, this game has uh combat between the different players you roll dice that's always fun i think it works very very smoothly as compared to other games with dice combat i like the fact that you can upgrade your ships more easily and it's a lot more clear than in Twilight Imperium and I like that this game only takes like three hours all right Jesse
2: what do you got to say about it well this is a game the three of us actually played together which was kind of cool I have a hard time picturing this game until I'm like looking at it at which point I'm like oh yeah I have remembered almost perfectly how it goes but when people say eclipse I'm like hang on a second what And then it it takes me a minute to get there. Like TI4, I feel like I know it a little better, but Eclipse, I feel like I have a better handle on it when I actually see it in front of me. It is the kind of game that feels fast. Um, I feel like every time I play it, just about, it's pretty fast paced. And I personally like it a little bit better than I like TI4 because it's I can play a bit more of an economical game. I don't know if I've mentioned this once or twice before, but in games like this where you're supposed to create conflict with your neighbors, I usually don't. I usually try to stay in my own little, like, sixth of the board, my own little pizza slice. You had no problem attacking me. I don't think I actually attacked you. I think you're misremembering. I usually put up walls around myself as much as I can. I think Davis attacked you and he won. I put up walls around myself and build orbitals and I'm like, let's just get tech and let's just get money. And I try I try not to zoom off. Maybe was I was I the aggressive race that time. Maybe because I you had You might to. have been. Maybe because they're like, look, the different like factions, the different alien species or whatever have different tendencies right like there's one that's more aggressive and one that's more economical and so i i may have been aggressive that game you're probably right david i'm sorry i attacked you sorry not sorry if i was the aggressive race that was my job that was my lot <laughs> in life we are violent bloodthirsty aliens that want to eat your babies and take your land Oh what's my. this game called <laughs> eclipse second dawn for the galaxy i was playing as I was playing as the Orion Hegemony.
1: All right, Jesse, you might be a little bit right in saying that the different factions are a little bit generic in that uh, you can everybody can play as humans, but there are unique species in this game and there are more added in the expansion that give you an advantage in very particular ways, but can also... Uh, hinder you in certain other ways so one species might be a little bit more defensive one species might be all about building stuff one species might be all about research the orion hegemony they're just like the robot people beep boop yes uh they're all about military presence
2: yeah as one has to be sometimes uh, As one has. David, I hope that I didn't ruin your experience with the game if I attacked you aggressively. Sorry, love
0: you. You didn't ruin my experience. I don't think this game is for me. Mm. I was So I was thinking long and hard about why I don't like this as much as I love TI4. This plays quicker. It's got more Euro mechanisms, which is more my style of game. So I thought I would love this. And... The the two reasons I don't think I like this game as much is the technology tray, the, the technology tray, and the exploration aspect of the map. I think those just grind against me a little bit in the sense that they are uh, exclusive. So, it, it, this, in in uh, Eclipse. There's a tech tray that you grab a few techs out at the beginning of each round, and those are the only techs that are available. So if somebody grabs something you really want, your sol. And I don't like that. I don't like that feeling in a game. Um, whereas in Ti4, you get a whole big bet, uh, whole big thing of tech. Sure, somebody might take the tech action from you, but you can still do tech. It's just more expensive. I wish, I wish there was some option like that in Eclipse. And then the other, the other thing is exploration. Sometimes I have a way that I want to play games. Like, oh, I want to try and build as many ships as I can this time. So I need to put my, uh, my population cubes out on material-generating planets. You don't necessarily have a choice at this game. You'll flip over a planet and go, oh, science and money. Oh, science and money. Okay, so what I had planned and hoped to do this game is not, not a viable option. I can't do that. I, I don't have a choice.
1: It's all about adapting, improvising, overcoming. I don't like those. I prefer bending time and space
0: to your will. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I really was surprised when I didn't like Eclipse that much. It, it had so this was my second time playing Eclipse, the the play that we were all together. This is the fir- my first time playing the new version, and it's still just it's not for me. I'm a Ti4. I don't care if it takes two, three times as long. It's four times as fun. And that math adds up. You know
1: what adds up? How nice the components are. And how nice the uh, storage trays are. Oh my goodness, that is A-plus
0: game design. There There is no denying that you are getting what you pay for in this box. It is a massive game. It costs well over $100. But man, that production is... It aids in setup. It aids in gameplay. It looks good on the table. Everything everything was good about it except the gameplay i mean <laughs> no i think it's a good i think it's a good game the euro aspect of managing your empire with like like the, the, the bureaucratic accounting of it i love that part i was all of it i was all for that
1: i just like at the end where you're just like oh no i was not able to capture that money planet let me figure out how much money I need to <laughs> go into... D- how much money I'm gonna lose this turn.
0: I'm gonna, have to s- I'm gonna have to sell my space body for a can of space beans. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah, this game is $180 retail. Oof. It's worth it.
2: Especially when your friends own it.
1: Especially when your friends own it and you know you can... Uh, <laughs> g- they know that they can get it to table often enough.
0: An- another advantage that Eclipse has over TI4, I, d- I don't... I haven't played it like this, but Eclipse is a goes down to two players and i've heard that's pretty okay and by heard i mean i watched a lot of reviews on eclipse today so i could be prepared for this topic yeah we've only played this with like
2: 4 i've or always people. played with five or six yeah
0: okay i have played ti4 with three
2: how was that
0: it was serviceable it was all right you play on a really you play on a really small map, so I,
1: I wouldn't play a game that is serviceable that lasts nine hours. <laughs>
0: it does it does not last nine hours when you're playing with three people. I think it lasted four.
1: I think this game's gonna get a lot of comparisons to Ti4. It's it's inevitable. Space, 4x, alien races, but let, let me be clear about one thing: there is a lot less politicking in this game as compared to Twilight Imperium. Whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing is up to you. Personally, I like the politicking in Twilight Imperium. It just makes the game 30% longer. So (laughs) 30-40% longer. If you just want to have spaceships go pew 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 and bigger spaceships go pew 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 as you fight over some planets, this is the game for you.
2: Can I say my favorite thing about this game? Please do. Say your fe- several favorite things about this No, game. I'm just saying one favorite thing. My favorite thing about playing this game is watching Michael get the tech upgrades that make him get the pink dice that he rolls when he l- uses his little <laughs> ships, and they cause him to blow up his own ships.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah there are special technologies in this game. I, I, Whether or not they're in the expansion or in the base game, I can't remember. But basically, these weapons do damage to the enemy ship but can also damage your ship so i just end up creating a bunch of glass cannons that just run in there do a bunch of damage and hopefully enough of them will survive
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's always a fun um it's always fun watching your combats
0: (laughs) so michael who would you say this game is for
2: nerds
0: (laughs) nerds nerds with a steady job i think
1: (laughs) nerd nerds with a steady job who like economics, who like considering how they should upgrade your ships. Your ships only have a certain number of spots, and you have to balance power, you have to balance considerations for shield, you have to balance uh, considerations for initiative, you know, if you want to improve the initiative such that your uh, things move faster, how big of a gun you're going to put on it, because that's going to take more power and all that kind of stuff. And you only have so many spots on that, so nerds are going to love that. And then there's the different kinds of species, which have different bonuses. And if you like space battles, everybody loves space battles. I love space battles. Almost as much as I love train games. If you're a teenager and have access to this game, hell yeah, because you're going to have all the time to play this game. Because you're also going to need time, and I recommend playing this game multiple times to actually get a hang of it. Your first your first time's just going to be okay.
0: So do you give it the gold star?
1: Yeah, why not? I'll give it the gold star. <laughs> wow.
0: What a rousing recommendation. Why not? it. <laughs>
1: yeah, why, yeah, why not? It's pretty dope. I always have fun, even when I lose, and I usually lose. <laughs> Jesse, do you give it the gold star?
2: I'm on the fence because um, if I'm comparing it to other games in the 4X category like TI4, there are some pros and some cons to each. I don't, for me, I don't feel like I massively enjoy one more than I massively enjoy the other. I think for me, Eclipse is a little more in my play style, but I think I also might have a little bit more fun playing TI4 sometimes, just because it pushes me to be a little bit more creative with my solutions. Um, Whereas I think I generally will try to use the same strategy when I can in Eclipse. I think it's worthy of a gold star. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna give it the gold star. Yeah. How about them apples, David? Two
0: half-hearted gold stars. It's a good game. Well, since nobody asked me, I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, say my opinion. Alright, David. (laughs)
2: Alright, David. David.
0: Yes, Jesse.
2: I forgot what I was gonna say. That (laughs) rude. Uh, do
1: you... Someone without an opinion that we care about right now. (laughs) Give it the gold, give it the gold star award.
0: I don't. And mine's not a, mine's not a half hearted. I don't. I vehemently do not. (laughs) vehemently. It's a little strong. I think it is a good game, but for, for my money, if I'm going to play a giant space opera game, I'm going to play TI four. And if I want a more economic based area control game, then I will likely turn to Scythe. It's, it supports us. It's not necessarily the same feel, but I think it gives me. It scratches that itch of the economic area control game. And I think it plays quicker than uh, than Eclipse. So I, you could go either way. Go either way. Play longer, have that space feeling. Play shorter, get that economic area control that you want that might have a few battles in it.
1: I think this is a little bit meatier than Scythe, but. It is. I, re- I, I, I respect
0: that opinion. I think the compromise mid, mid game of Eclipse isn't something I want. I either want. Yeah, I want either TI4. I don't I don't need to play Eclipse again, I don't think. I I still would. I wouldn't I wouldn't say no. It is a good game mechanically for the most part. I just it's not for me. Fair enough.
1: And this next section is brother talk where we talk about whatever we want. And this Fortnite, we are talking about what is a board game? All right, and I, I, I'm not I'm not trying to be you know I'm not trying to joke here. Like it's like asking what a tree is. There are certain things that we know. Hey, that's a tree. That maple tree. That's a tree. But there are certain plant species out there that you're just like, is that a tree? is that a bush you start getting to the edge of you are really taking this plant analogy farther
0: than i thought you
1: were <laughs> <laughs> we're really into the deconstruction de- of that so i want to take a look at that from a board game perspective we're going to look at games or maybe not even games at all and see what is a board game in the most deconstructive way Catan, obviously a board game dungeons and Dragons.
0: Not a board game? Yeah, I would say not because there's a there's a there's a category of
2: RPGs,
0: role playing games that is not a board game. It's different.
2: What if it has a what if it has a board?
1: Dominion does not have a board. It I'm... does now. <laughs> Dominion does not need a board. That is true. <laughs> is it a board game? Or any other board game that doesn't have a board.
0: Yeah, do you consider card games to be board games? And I I do. I, I consider card games under the board game umbrella. Is the crew a board game? Yeah, I would consider the crew a board game, even though it's mostly cards and just some cardboard tokens. Does that make hearts a board game? Yeah, I'd consider hearts a board game. I would, you know, if it's a standard deck of cards, I might say card game. But if it's not a standard deck of cards, I'd probably say board game. Why? Why? Because it just feels right, you know? Deep down inside in my gut, in my tummy place. (laughs) In your tummy
2: place. I mean, I log my plays of card games, like, in my bg stats app and i feel a little weird about it sometimes
0: which ones uh which ones make you feel weird is it like pinochle or something like that
2: so when i go home in the summer we play exactly two games regularly that are card games we play 500 and we play well it goes by a few different names we usually call it up and down the river but it's also known as oh hell or i hate that game so trick-taking games right like just like the crew is, um, you're bidding and, and trying to win a certain particular number of tricks. So it has some of the strategy of a board game, but I, I wouldn't think of those as board games, but isn't that why we like call the hobby, like tabletop gaming?
0: I say board gaming. When I talk about the hobby, I, I don't say tabletop.
2: Would you, would you say
1: that tabletop in, is all, in, all encompassing?
0: Probably. Tabletop
1: includes RPGs. Mm-hmm war games, board
0: games, card games. Now it's funny that you mention that because I think when I think board games, I include card games, but I always forget about war games. Those are never included in my mind. <laughs> is X-Wing Mini a board game? Spe- it is when I especially when I roll out my uh, my playmat because you're playing on a you're, you're playing on a defined area of surface. You got to have a playmat. <laughs> Nah, I, I want I want my dice to bounce all funnily. Man, I want to play X-Wing right now. Why'd you bring that up? <laughs> is Warhammer 40k a board game? I don't know anything about it. Oh, it's a miniatures game. That's a different category. And so, and X-Wing miniatures is not a miniatures game? It's X-Wing <laughs> miniatures the board game. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. It, it genuinely is like a different category. That's interesting. That's a great question. And, and these are not questions that we're going to necessarily have answers for. Uh, Sorry if this is unsatisfying to you, dear listener, but you'll have to search deep within yourself. We're just here to raise hypotheticals and then move on. (laughs) (laughs) Just ask a bunch of questions that dip. (laughs) A a category of games that that I wonder if are board games, or sometimes people say that's not a game, that's more of an activity. One game that came out recently that got a lot of buzz is uh, Dorf Romantic, the board game. Based off a very popular computer game, it's a tile-laying game, but there are no losers you you play until the tiles run out and then you just see how you did does that count as a board game there's
2: lots of games that are like that though
1: something i played at a board game convention and is this a board game two rooms in a boom Is two rooms in a boom a board game
2: i mean it's a social deduction game for sure so in that context i mean but there is no board yeah i think the only components in that is are cards Yep.
0: Yeah, there's not even a table. <laughs> that doesn't count under tabletop, so it doesn't fall it's under the it's category. Not ta- it's
2: not a tabletop game. <laughs> not a tabletop game. I think I would still classify it as a tabletop game, though.
0: I think, I think I'm think just going to broaden what my definition of a board game is. I'm just going to have to start accepting, yes, all card games, all, all war games. You're not playing it on a table, that's fine. It's a board game. RPGs, yeah, they're yeah. board games. That's fine.
1: <laughs> For me personally, I think the thing that's closest, if Closest to a game that I would not record if I recorded games at all, but I don't and I'm not going to, is probably anything that would come out of a standard 52 card deck or 54 if you're going to count those jokers. So I probably would not include hearts. And not because I think that they're spiritually different. I just think that they come from a different design philosophy, a different generation, and a different cultural expectation. And it's not not to dissuade away from their influences. I just think that whenever I'm talking about those
0: things that we're defining board games almost in the modern sense. Yeah, I very much mean modern board games when I say board games. Because every time I say I play board games, I'm sick and tired of people saying, like, Monopoly. Yeah, even if, even if those games don't have a board or a table. I might change my definition to how it's stored. The uh, The box itself <laughs> might define what a board game is for me. That would exclude some uh, RPGs. <laughs> I'll have to write up a definition for it for myself. Maybe I'll include it in the show notes. If this part's edited in, it's in the show notes. this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think for me it comes down to box. What the box looks like, and then I'll go like, that's a board game. I know that box anywhere. Now it's time for mail time, the part of the podcast where we answer your most burning questions. And this fortnight, we have a uh, we have an emailed in question. Hooray! This question comes from listener Thomas, and he asks. When playing a Social Deduction slash Hidden Identities game, what is your approach when revealing yourself as a saboteur to not ruin relationships and not ruin your standing in future games? All right. I'll answer the second question first. My standing has already been
1: ruined. All right. Everybody (laughs) knows that I'm the worst person in the entire world, so I can't make it any worse. In most Social Deduction games, people go into the game already not trusting me. This is just part of the meta that just comes with playing a lot of Social Deduction games. You know what? It's the meta. You can't change the meta. Well, you can, but I'm okay with this meta. I'll be the bad guy. I'll be the bad guy. My my social standing has been ruined. But <laughs> other than that, play by the rules. Don't say mean things like outside of people's comfort zone.
0: And then at the end of the day, who cares? Like I I would say for that for that who cares comment. I think the benefit of most social deduction games, and this is not true for all, but for most, they're dead quick. And you're just immediately on to the next one. So you betrayed me in this one? That's fine. We're going to play again. It'll take another 10 minutes. I have played
1: social deduction games where people have pushed the rules way too far. And I'm just like, all right, here. You are offending the spirit of a social deduction game. And the point is for us to live in a certain set, certain set of rules such that you can pretend to be bad or pretend to be nice and actually be bad for five minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you don't play by those rules, then that's just poor sportsmanship. It's like you are being given an opportunity to play the bad guy, but that only works under the social contract of you playing the rules. So as long as you like legitimately don't say anything like super mean or anything like that i don't worry about it at all like i'm not going to say anything offensive to you i'll say mean things because i like trash talking <laughs> but other than that i don't worry about it
0: one of uh one of my favorite reveals as a trader comes from high school so this is before i actually got into uh the more b- modern board gaming hobby but i was playing a game of mafia which is uh, a very common social deduction game you have a A group of people that are the mafia everybody goes to sleep at night the mafia chooses to kill somebody and the mafia had chosen to kill me so now i'm out of the game i'm a ghost i get to watch what happens for the remainder of the game and one one player had not been very interested at all really they were just kind of off to the side and they were just in it not really not really participating it was all an act they were the mafia. As soon as I was, uh, as soon as the night phase came and the mafia had to choose again, she gave me the most villainous grin I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, well, well played. Well played. Yeah. And of course, in a social deduction
1: game, part of the debrief is just being like, oh, man, you did. You, you have to be honest. Like, if you get fooled, say you got fooled. All right. If someone did something cool, say they did something cool. It's a social game. If, if you just like, oh man, whenever you like, you tricked me into blah, 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 and we end up working together against my best interests to do this, like, oh, that was like the worst thing ever. How'd you convince me to do that? Like, how could I ever trust you to think that Davis was the bad guy? <laughs> yeah, just be honest and be open. Having a little bit of debrief where you just joke around and kind of lighten the mood afterwards, that's always fun it's always a good way to hear people's perspective on how they saw everything go down.
2: Yeah. Last time I gamed with Thomas, he and I were Cylons together in Battlestar Galactica. Um, and he revealed shortly after I was forced out as the Cylon sympathizer and, um, I wonder if this question arose from a sense of guilt at how badly the rest of the table was destroyed when all three Cylons were just whomping on them. Sorry, everybody, we (laughs) love you. Um, But it was fun. To me, when I'm in BSG as a Cylon, I like to reveal when people start to suss me or when I can when I can cause some kind of real harm with my sabotage. That's what that's look. The whole point of this game is just what Michael said is like in real life, I'm not the bad guy in real life. I try to always be nice to everybody. And it's sometimes you just want to be vicious. And in a game you can be as vicious as you want to and people still love you and forgive you. Look, when I got into this hobby in 2012, I played city of horror with a, with a, relatively new group of people to me and this was when i realized i wanted to be friends with them when one of them said i'll give you an antidote so you can survive on the helicopter and then i was like okay and then he didn't give me the antidote and my person died <laughs> it was great like i was so upset but also i was like oh you could do that that's so much fun i want to be able to do that so that I think for me, that's part of the part of the fun of the game. I think it really varies on when and how you should reveal. I think you should be decisive about it when it gives your team a clear advantage, or maybe try to re- remain hidden until the end. It varies a little by game.
0: I guess the real thing is social deduction games depend on the people you play with. That just it's a huge component of social deduction games. I would say more so than a lot of categories of board games. To the point where if people are getting upset, getting their feelings hurt, not and, and ruining relationships, that's not the right game for those people. They need a different style of game. And it's just not for them, and that's fine. And that brings us to the end of another podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us again in another Fortnite. If you can't wait that long, you can uh, join our conversation in Discord using the link below. Or you can email us any burning questions you have at our email account at boardgamefamous at gmail.com If you want to see some pretty pictures, take a look at our Instagram, also linked below. I will have posted again before this episode airs. That is a New Year's resolution. <laughs> a, new, a New Year's promise. <laughs> Until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye.
1: You're probably going to be too tired by this point. No, I'm just going to write major <laughs> look in the show notes. Ah. <laughs> Got
0: him. <laughs>